Friends, how's it going? It's Tiffany Pratt. This is my love jam. I know it's wild to think that I have a podcast all about love, but let me tell you, even though I'm a designer, creative director, creative person, artist, author, TV, whatever, there's absolutely nothing that I've ever done in my life that has been more important than bringing love into everything that I've ever done. And this is a podcast all about that. I have met miraculous, cool, incredible people along the way, and I want to introduce you to some of them. I want to talk to you about my journey. I want to share some of the things that I've learned. And more than anything in the whole world, I don't want you to feel alone. As a creative person, I want us to feel like a powerful community of supportive friends that can turn to each other and know that no matter what, we've got each other's back. So that's what the Love Jam's all about. Let's talk about it. Let's get down in the middle of it. Let's uncover it. Let's see all of its colors. And let's jam. Let's jam about love. That's the love jam. I'm pretty excited that I got a sponsor for this podcast. Hey, Coco. Wait, what? Can I'm in the, I'm in the, hold on, I'm in the washroom. Oh, I just need you to see me to read the sponsorship ad, jeez. Just wanted you to read the sponsorship ad. I'm back. Oh, wow. Yeah, by the way, your bathroom, really nice, really nice fixtures. What's going on there? Well, I had my bathroom redone with Delta Faucets Canada. It's, oh, uh, I know. Well, there no, you it's go. It's pretty right? slick in there, right? Right. Makes sense. I know. Sense. It's actually pretty fitting because uh, this episode of the Love Jam has in part been made possible by my friends at the Delta Faucets Canada. They, uh, they've made the magic happen for me. Well, you know, innovation and design have been at the heart of the Delta brand for over 50 years. They have poured that into every product they make, creating savvy, sturdy faucets and accessories with smart design on the inside and out. Well, now you know why you like my bathroom so much. Jeez, makes total sense. (laughs) This guest... This guest, SLS, as I fondly call her, <laughs> Shannon Lee Simmons, in the house. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> On the floor with me and my hound. Thank you so much. Covered in paint. Cover- I know, but you know what? When you showed up with the paint on your legs, I'm like, you're my people. I know. There you're my is. people. This is a woman who texted me on the weekend and said, my- paint my stairs white? Yes, no? I'm like, always yes. <laughs> I was trying to find like a white... You know those um, those gifts? I was like, what's white? Yeah, I typed I in white and I got these little white rabbits that said love. And I'm like, perfect. So anyways, that's how I feel about you. I'm like, we're little white rabbits and we we love each other. I harnessed my inner Tiffany and painted my <laughs> stairs and it's all over my leg right now. <laughs> for proof. And we're both, we're, di- we're both here on a very, it's actually unceremoniously warm in Toronto. Mm. And either of us have shaved our legs. So that's the update so far. Yep. I living our best <laughs> life. <laughs> Hashtag living our best life. (laughs) Don't shave your legs, ladies. Um, I start all my podcasts, Shannon, with love stories. Hmm. And I like to um, share with my audience my love story with my guests and how we met and how our relationship began. And so people get a taste of how I meet who I meet and why I feel the way I feel about them. And and then they get to learn a little bit about who you are in your journey. And then I'm going to dig into that. So cool. what do you think our love story? Do you want to start it? Or do you want me to start it? Oh, I want, I want to hear my where side? your love story began on your side. And then I'll tell well, you. I think, I think we should, I think we should, uh, we should finish each other's sentences. 
So tell the peoples what you do. Okay, so I run the New School of Finance, which is a fee-only financial planning firm, and we're based out of Toronto, uh, but we provide unbiased, loving, and affordable help for like the, your finances, whether you're a business or whether you're in your personal life. And so that's kind of our jam. And so that's how that's what brought you to my doorstep, which I'm very excited about. Don't you love that she used the word love and jam both in one <gasps> sentence? And I that's did. why you're here. I didn't even mean to. <laughs> oh. You're perfect for this. There you go. You're meant to be here. Um, so yeah, I, I, of course, like every other small business entrepreneur, I, and I always felt like I didn't have it figured out. My finances were a mess. Um, and I just thought, okay, I need to share and talk to somebody because I don't ever share that part of my life. I've never spoken to anyone about my finances. And I kind of looked at it as like a hashtag adulting, yes. like need to speak to someone and get some secondary advice. Okay. So let me just paint the picture. Never met Shannon before schedule an appointment really. So like nervous and excited to like meet her and be a part of her world. And I walk into the office and I think, okay, so I'll let you take it from there, but I walk into your office and I'm like, I'm so nervous, but I'm super excited. And I, and I remember it was a winter's day and I was like, I had a billion layers and I was like fevers trying to find a parking spot because I just wasn't sure how you would be. Mm -hmm. Like if you were going to be a certain way about, um, like a parking space or or like timing is she going to be upset about the fact that i'm late and and so okay so take it from there i walk in the door and i'm like i think i grabbed you and i put you we, in my arms immediately we hugged we hugged immediately so from my side of the story so yes you'd had you had written to us that you'd had two referrals from like great people so i was like okay this is awesome like we're, we're coming in and then i read your intake form which you signed with hearts so you 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 filled it out with a sharpie like a colorful sharpie <laughs> um and and then scanned that back in so which i thought was like so wonderful and then everything had like a heart on every page and how you described like i think the question was like what is it that you're looking for out of this financial session or something and i think you wrote like financial love or something like that and you put a big heart and i was like who is this unicorn like who's this person that's coming to see me so i was so excited mm. to meet you and then you walked in the door and you were like very nervous i could pick that up right away yeah. and then we just we just hugged for an awkwardly long time. I think I, I, I know I did. I know I was just, I wanted our hearts to touch. Yes, yes, I think did. I, I think they I did. did. I was like, I need to hold this woman yeah. against me for no an extended period. No, immediately no boundaries. And I was like, just, it's cold. I'm cold. I'm excited to be here. I'm relieved. Just hold me. And you wore your and hat the whole time. And you had the, your bright orange hair at that time. And I remember, and like with the rainbows underneath. Yeah. So I saw your hat and then I saw the rainbow just at the end. Hello. And just at the end of the session when you moved your hat I saw that there was rainbows underneath and I hadn't seen them the whole time and I remember being like whoa <laughs> that's so great <laughs> it's like a it's like layer upon layer of just figuring out who you were the the rainbow hair was something I did um I was out in Los Angeles doing some work and I met a hairdresser out there and she she just kind of used my hair as a canvas and those were early days before the rainbow hair was a thing yeah and that was a time commitment like no other. And uh, also ev eventually became a financial com commitment that I was like, oh my God, time and finances. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, you're like, you spend this much on your hair? Okay. So I remember going through looking, really looking at how I spent and how I lived my life and how I ran my business and what I looked at as my priorities. And I will say that there has never been 
a per- I, I have met some pretty incredible people in my life, but what you do for people in their lives, in their homes, in their jobs, with their finances, and how you get people to look at themselves in a loving way that's super realistic, but also empowers them to be better versions of themselves is why you're sitting here today. Mm. Because I don't know anyone that can bring love to finances, and I don't know anyone that can do what you do and I am, I just want to share you with everyone. And I know the new school is so accessible for any listener that's listening to this podcast. You and I actually worked on the new school. So we can take it from after that meeting. Shannon gave me some super, super amazing usable tips. And then after that, it sort of spiraled how we could work together. 100%. So you can talk a little bit about that. Oh, my God. So as soon as I knew that you were a person that I had access to in the sense that you existed, I was so (laughs) excited. And so um, we launched this whole new uh, online school as well as a total rebrand of the financial planning company in 2015. Which everyone has access to today and can get online, which we're going to talk about later. Award-winning. It's wonderful. And part of that is because I worked with you. And so I wanted to amalgamate this team of awesome. So I was like, I can't do this alone. This is like bigger than me. And uh, I needed it to come together. I needed it to be on brand. I needed it to be fresh. I needed it to be exciting. I needed it to be authentic for who I am. And so I text you and was like, boo, I need you. I need your brain. And you're like, what's up? And I was like, I have this online school that I'm launching. I'm doing a total rebrand. And I have no idea because all I want to do is wear black every day because it matches. And I need your help. And so like beyond even that. And then you came. And this was when I knew that you were truly gifted. So I always knew because I looked at your work and stuff, but I had never experienced it IRL in real life. That's how I feel about so, you, by the way. But oh, okay, continue. It was like channeling. I don't know. So we were sitting in Early Bird Cafe. Yeah. You brought, so I'm like, I had no, at this point, it was still early phases and I had those ideas. You know, when you have ideas at like three in the morning, you write them down or something like they just come. Early day. At some point. Early day. So the whole rebrand and launch of the online school was just a series of like random notes in my iPhone or recorded on my iPhone at that point. But I knew where it was going and I had called you in at that point. So you, you come into early bird again, like, just like, Oh, you're such a vision, right? You come in, it was so colorful and everything. And I'm probably wearing black and, um, cause it matches. And, uh, and so I know, I know. And so, uh, we come in and I'm like, I need your help. This is what's happening. So with you had no idea before that you just knew that you were here to help me and you're like what's happening and I was like I have these online programs that I want to do I mean there's video component to it I want to rebrand um here's my logo and it was the first time I ever showed it to you I hadn't seen anything before and you sat there and honestly it was like channeling I don't know you opened up your big book with your sharpie and <laughs> you just started like drawing and and coming up with ideas like it was so fast and furious your ideas and every single one of them we ended up using so the branded dresses that we were going to get made from a seamstress done if you check out the website you'll see them we call them the sisterhood of the traveling dresses because everyone (laughs) at new school wears one for their photo if they want to and they all love them and it like we all just share them for videos i had shift dresses made of she had four brand colors and when she was describing how she wanted the photos to look and each of the videos that she was going to be creating i wanted this to feel like a very tight package yeah so i had shift dresses made all the same 
same style, but all in the brand colors of silk. It was amazing. And they looked incredible. They all were like jewel toned silk. Yeah, it was amazing. And so they were great. And they had pockets, and <laughs> which was wonderful. And uh, so there was that. And then you were also like, put your, remember you were like, have your nails on brand. And then you did the whole rebrand of like the uh, whiteboard table yes. and the whiteboard. So that day you were like, there's an aqua table. And I was like, pardon? You're like, I just saw it. I knew it was there for a reason. And you drove back to Scarborough to pick up this table on the side of the road that you saw that morning and was like, I need that, but I don't know what for. And then you walk in and it's one of my brand colors. Anyways, it was pretty magical. You were there for like (laughs) maybe 25 minutes and completely created an entire brand plan and artistic direction for the entire launch of something that would have taken me like, I don't know, six months. And you did it within five seconds and everything to this day that was 2015 when I launched it so I mean obviously things have been updated since then but we still use the same like fundamental brand and stuff and the coloring and stuff and everyone still writes in all the time where did who did your branding who did that like who art directed this for you because I know you didn't do it no I'm just kidding no Um, no it was fabulous I I've never seen something like that I've never seen creative genius in action and until that moment I was like holy moly Okay, well, all I can say is thank you. And I'm uh, so humbled that you share it. Thank you so much. But um, I think that is such a beautiful introduction to how I can tell everyone that's listening how you work with numbers. You are an artist with numbers. You are such an incredible wizard. The things that you can look at and distill and deduce and completely, uh, it's, it's almost like, everyone looks at this chalkboard in their life as this beautiful mind chalkboard of all these numbers and all these things of all this stuff that they have to pay for, that they've signed up for, that they feel on the hook for, that they've created or that they forgot about. And these numbers all mean parts of our lives that hold us up or hold us down. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I want you to talk about is how you came to love what you do, how you came to love finances and helping people gain freedom with their money and the numbers that can sometimes bog us down and make us feel like we're not so human. So I want you to know that I feel the same love and joy when I sit with you and you get to do your genius, with, which is with numbers. And I want to know, like, take it from the top. Like, oh my gosh. how did you discover this was something that you had, you know, this is where your genius was and how you could bring your love for numbers to the world in a new way yeah i do love spreadsheets um who loves spreadsheets i know (laughs) (laughs) okay so i had always been a kid who loved making plans i'm a capricorn so that makes sense. I always ask about the sign. I think it's an important element. Capricorn. Capricorn. Okay. I'm a Leo. The goat must climb. And so, uh, <laughs> so I, I was like the kid that was trying to scale their lemonade stand, you know? Like, I, I really took it seriously. And I loved, I grew up in a family business. So when you have a family business, everybody's involved. So I, I started doing my dad's books at like 16. Wow. And so, and like, you're just involved in the money talk, right? Money comes, money goes, you understand. I think that really shaped my kind of, interest in the sense that it was a topic of conversation my parents talked about money for better or worse uh when times were good we knew and when the business was slow we also knew and so i never really um was afraid of talking about money and i was never afraid of it 
I mean, it was bad when times were tight, but I knew that it would come back at some point. So I think that that's really where I started to understand that money is a tool and not necessarily a definition of success. I, I think that that was a huge piece of my upbringing that my parents gave me by accident, maybe without even meaning to. And, and anybody who's listening who ha- grew up in a small family business probably is like, yep, that was me too. Because you just right. you just have to. And so that was my introduction to like numbers and plans and like business and stuff like that. And then I went to school. Originally, I was going to be a doctor because I was very good at math and science. <laughs> and so, of course, when you're young and everyone's like, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'm like, I'm good at math. And they're like, great, go be a doctor. Everyone said to do that. So I was originally like, that was the trajectory that I was going to go on. And then I shadowed with a, uh, like a GP and he was like, do you want to do this? Do you want to be, why do you want to be a doctor? And I was like, cause it's a good job and I'm good at math. And he's like, I think that that's not the reason. So he's like, why? he's like, why don't you take one year, take a bunch of stuff uh, and see, you know, if you still want to practice, come back and do it. He's like, I'm not saying don't do this, but it's, it's a, you have to, Love it. Love it. And he's like, and you don't, I don't feel like you love medicine. And I didn't. I loved the idea of helping people and I loved math, but it wasn't like medicine. It was like, I love people and I love helping people and I love math. So then that's what he identified for me, which was huge. Angels right? that appear in our lives in strange forms. I know. And so I took a year off and I took a bunch of business courses and I took economics and I loved it. I loved it, which is so dorky of me, but I was like, this is my jam, right? Aww. I was so good at it. And then I also enjoyed it. And then I, so I, I went that route instead. And then here's where, here's where I found personal finance. I really didn't want to be like an analyst in the back of a room, like, st- you know, running numbers on swaptions and derivatives and whatnot. I love that people thing, right? I really love the idea of sitting with people and helping. And so personal finance was kind of like the marriage between math and people in a really helpful, useful way, which really almost like medicine is this, it's like very helpful and you get to have that impact on people's lives in a way that's meaningful. So that's where I kind of got that direction. And then I started working on Bay Street after I was very A-type in university, you can only imagine. Uh, So I got a job right out of school at a a boutique investment management firm on Bay Street, which was wonderful. Okay, so pause right there. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about how you felt when you took economics and you discovered that this was your jam. Like, I want people to really tap into the emotion of discovering, because often, you know, we don't know what our calling is. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're, you know, you're calling yourself nerdy and self-admittedly, when I wanted you to do this podcast, I thought, how is me, and you know how I am with numbers, how am I going to talk with Shannon about this in a way that is um, understandable? Yeah. And so I want you to really, like, bring that, what that, that genius and that language that you bring to the everyday man about finances and what lit you up when you were, like, Okay, economics, like, explain that feeling. Explain okay. that. Okay, so that was, a, that was my first pillar. And I think the feeling was relief. Uh, so I remember feeling like, okay, and it wasn't necessarily economics, but it was the idea that I could do personal finance, right? Okay. When I found that marriage between people and numbers where I was like, this is it. That's more that moment. And I remember feeling the, like- This is it, like this is- Relief, the, yeah. Yeah oh my gosh, I can do this. And I feel like I have a route that makes sense to me, that makes me excited, that makes me want to, this is how I would define it. I never procrastinated anything that had to do with my future career in personal finance 
Like I procrastinated organic chemistry. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. And so it felt like a relief to work on it. It felt like a relief to daydream about it. It felt fun and exciting. So I remember being excited about it. And that's how I could tell the difference between like the dissonance of some of the other career paths that like maybe I thought that I should do because I had a, you know, a certain skill set versus personal finance. It was total resonance versus dissonance for me and excitement. That's really what it felt like. But I can tell you that the real moment where my whole life shifted, where I was like, I'm in love with what I do. This is what I want to know. It did not come until after I quit my Bay Street job. So, okay, so talk about the Bay Street job really quick. Really quick. Had a Bay Street job. Was doing fine. So Bay Street, people need to know that Bay Street is like Wall Street in yes. New York. Yes. So if you live in Toronto, you will know that if you say you work on Bay Street, it's like working on Wall Street in New York City. Yeah. Continue. Thank you. Um, and so it was good. I had no complaints, but something just like wasn't sitting right with me. I still had that dissonance. So I liked the work that I was doing, but I was working with super high net worth people, which means like, you know, they had millions of dollars, which sounds fun, but it's actually the same conversation over and over again, because at that level of wealth, there's not a lot of like, oh, there's just investment stuff. There's no creative personal financial planning to a degree. There's estate planning. Um, (laughs) But anyways, long story short, it just felt not right. Then the crash happened. We got bought out by a bank. I realized I didn't want to be a, in this giant bureaucratic thing. And this is like 2008. Yeah. And so I quit because in 2008, 2010, I realized that so many people, my peers, creatives, other people my age were like, I don't have anywhere to go unless I have lots of money. Uh, and that's the truth. That's how the whole system is set up. And I was like, that is unfair and not right. And so I quit in 2010 did the Barter Babes project for a year. Do you know what this project is? Yeah, you, you've told me about this a handful of times and I need you to talk to the peoples about this. Okay, so I had been told by everybody on Bay Street that there was no market for fee only, which is the type of financial planning I do, um, where you kind of build, you you charge almost like a, like, an, like a lawyer or something like that. You don't actually sell financial products, which is how the entire financial industry works, okay? Right. So you pay for time and then you get unbiased advice. So... I was told basically that that there wasn't really a market for that that's affordable for people who don't have lots of money and can't afford to pay $3,500 for a financial plan. And that's why no one's doing it. So so I just want to pause believed, right there. I want to pause right there. I love that you did something that everyone told you was not possible. Right. Well, how can that be, right? Like, how can there... I'm listening in on... I remember at the Vancouver Olympics... I was there and I had listened in. We're at the Vancouver Olympics at a pub in line for a drink during the, like it's, it's mayhem. Packed. packed. And these two girls are talking about what a tax-free savings account is and <laughs> the other, in line. And this girl, this one of them is like, oh my God, my dad told me to put it in a tax-free savings account. And the other one's like, no, don't do that. Um, my, you know, other person, my boyfriend or something like that told me to put it in an RSP. And they're like, well, what is a tax-free savings account? Like just having conversations about stuff, not knowing where to go for that information. Right. And I like kind of leaned in and like totally got in on their conversation and said, you know, oh, it's this, that, the other. And like, it depends on what you want to use it for. And they're like, thanks so much. Later on that night, they came over and they dropped off a round of beer for me and, and my now husband, Matt. And they said... 
I can't afford to pay for someone like you for my services, but at least I can give you a beer. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. You can't afford to pay me, but at least you can maybe give something in return. And that's where the whole Barter Babes project was born. Ding, 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 ding. And I thought, well, if everyone thinks there's no business model for this, then fine. Great. Fine. I'll believe that for a second. I'll do this one-year project. I'll peace out on Bay Street for a bit. I will barter my financial services to 310 women in one year and I won't charge any money but they have to barter a good or service so that I can still try to maintain some sort of lifestyle right so haircuts massage here is when you're going to realize why I love Shannon Lisa <laughs> so much okay massage two bikes I did get a flight to Chicago uh, I got someone made me a pie a month L- lots too much lasagna lots of lasagna but like <laughs> I put on so much I love weight. Yeah. lasagna I wish I knew <laughs> you too. then oh I would have been right there eating it with so you so much lasagna um, so I bartered my financial advice for a year and my plan was always to go back to work. Yep. And that is the moment that you're asking about. Yes. At the end of the project, I had done it. It was the hardest, most grueling year of my life. I took on so much credit card debt because I couldn't like barter for my rent, obviously. I had to pull money out of my RRSP. I was like financially, it was not it was not not a good time. However, I was so addicted to what I was doing. I had had an opportunity to actually work with a demographic where I could see the impact of what I was doing in a real way, right? In a way that I never got when I was dealing with people with a high net worth life. Um, Second of all, this was like in the trenches on the front lines of financial planning, like you're just in it. And it was so interesting because one day I'd have somebody who was swimming in debt and the next day I'd have somebody who just inherited $400,000 and everything in between from freelancers to um, employees and pensions and whatever. Whereas like before it felt like the same type of person all the time. I was completely obsessed with it. I loved it. I was like, I can't go back. I, I can't. I like. I can't. I'm a totally different person, um, and it felt so exciting. Like to think about my future, not going back on the corporate ladder and doing it my way, and proving everybody wrong that this demographic can support a business and that there is something here. That I the light bulb just like went off, and I was like, this is my life now, and I still get excited talking about it. I, okay, first of all, that feeling I think you still have when someone comes to you with their numbers. When any person of any walk of life who makes a different varied salary comes to you, myself included, I came to you with a huge mess. Would you agree I had a bit of a mess on my hands? Messes are subjective, my darling. But still, I would say I I had a little bit of a mess. I'd say there was a pickle. Yeah, I and actually, I want to take a minute before we talk about because um, I I want I think that when I when I listen to a podcast, I love it when there's things that I can scribble down on a piece of paper. So at this stage, I want everybody who is listening to this podcast to just listen to the small story while you're scrambling for a piece of paper oh. and a pen because I know that everything that Shannon's about to share is something you're going to want to write down. Oh, okay. But before um, we get to the paper pen part, I want to just say that. Um, there's not a lot of love in finances mm. and you can safely say that there's who do you know in your arena that does what you do that brings the love that you bring to it who 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 do you know that does this uh, th- i'm sure that there are, who do you know 
Um, Nobody. Nobody. I don't know anyone that does what you do. And you do it with such style and such grace. And you are inc- you're an incredible... I would honestly have to say, if I could think of anyone that's like the ultimate psychologist, it's you. Because not only are you dealing with the psychology of a person, but sometimes you're dealing with the psychology of a couple, of a family. Mm-hmm. So you're not just dealing with numbers. So when you speak of my genius, you have much the same. And on top of this genius is a person with the biggest heart. I'm about to share something I've never shared with anyone, but I remember going in and showing Shannon some of my pickles. And at one point she said, I'm going to take out some money on a line of credit and give you some money towards this so that you can pay this down so that we can get this out of the way. Now, I never took Shannon up on that offer, but I needed to share that information and uh, look you in the eyes and say this and also just share it with every single person that's listening to this podcast, that that to me is true love. That's not just love for a person, but that's love for creating a difference in someone's life and creating a difference, not just with like them moving forward, but with their finances, using your own finances. And I've never seen anyone pour that kind of love into anything that they've done. And I remember leaving your office that day and sitting in my car and crying my eyes out and thinking, if a a person is willing to offer me their personal capital to do this, I know I can do this for myself. Maybe it's going to take me a little bit longer, but her desire to help me should be the same level of desire I have to help myself. So I just want to say, gonna make me cry. Thank you <laughs> I so much about that. because you really inspired me with your actions and your enthusiasm towards me creating a better life for myself financially, just by just a simple offer. And I know you do that for thousands of people. And I know you inspire people every day with your solutions and your problem solving. So this is the part where I want the peoples to, well, first of all, you should also know that Shannon has written two divine, incredibly resourceful, hugely important books, um, one of which I was very honored to have blurbed. And um, I think that if you were to think of three things, that you wanna tell people about their finances. And they could be simple and they Mm -hmm. could be extreme, but I would say, I would love for you to think of like three heavy hitting things that would inspire someone to look at their finances in a new way or create change or do something for themselves that really makes them feel like they are free. So you got the floor. Okay. So, I think that the first thing is that money has nothing to do with the math, really. It is, but mostly it's 80% emotional and 20% a spreadsheet. So let's dig into why you're making certain financial decisions. And I think that's the, that's the first thing that we want to talk about. So I think that the first tip is that I don't want you to lose hope. So the most detrimental thing that I see in my practice is whether somebody has lots of money or in debt, doesn't matter, is when they feel like, what's the point? So a really classic example is if you've already got $4,000 owing, what's another 400, right? Always. That's the giving up part. Um, And so if I can do anything to stop that moment from happening where you actually fundamentally believe there is a point in trying... Um, I've done my job, right? You did that for me. Thank you. So remember this. This is point number one. I would rather you save 100 bucks a month and actually do it than make a plan that's unrealistic for your life that has you supposed to save, you know, 500 bucks a month or four or like $1,000 a month to get you where you're supposed to go. I'm saying that in quotations. <laughs> um, and then give up 
on like paycheck number three or month three because it's so unrealistic for your life. So be realistic is tip number one in a long rounded way. Be kind to yourself and be realistic to yourself because you're way more likely to stick to your financial plan and a little bit goes a long way. So that's number one. Be realistic. Be realistic and be kind to yourself. And be kind to yourself. It's kind of a double whammy. Uh, The second thing would be don't believe everything that you see. And I think this is really important with the comparison game that I think makes a lot of us feel really low and blue or resentful about our own finances. So we scroll through, you know, uh, Instagram or something online and we see our friends and our colleagues and that person from high school um, buying houses, (laughs) having babies, doing the thing like, um, you know, having this fabulous business or going on these fabulous trips or whatever it is for you that makes you go, oh, man, my life is so much worse than that. And so I see that a lot. I know that there's that comparison game. It's normal. It's human. It's completely normal. Everyone does it, although I would beg that everyone stops doing it. A hundred percent. It's the most yeah. detrimental thing, but it's also human. Uh, it's human nature to yeah. compare, right? It's how we keep up with our people. Totally. And so it's hard to not do it. So what you really want to do is just recognize when it's happening and then stop it. So, so one of the things that I often say to people is that I have the unbelievable opportunity to peek into the finances behind all these people I follow on social media. So, you know, I see the home reno photos and I know the line of credit that went behind that. So (laughs) I get to know the real nitty gritty details behind it. So I understand that what you see is not always the financial reality. So I don't compare. And so that second piece, like stop comparing because you don't know the financial reality behind anyone's photos. Nobody posts their credit card bill after the vacation. You just see the beautiful photos. Yep. Right? This is a huge one, Shannon. I have to tell you, I think that this second tip is probably yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. it's I, I catch myself doing it in the moment. Um, you know, in a weak moment, I'm scrolling through and I, you know, this past Thanksgiving is a great example. I didn't go apple or pumpkin picking and I felt so inadequate. Like I was somehow not, you know, having my kid have this wonderful experience <laughs> or something like that, right? But if I'd never looked on social media, I never would have known that those people were doing that. I never would have felt inadequate about it. Like, do you yes, know what I mean? It's a whole 100%. thing. It's a whole thing. But also too, I think we all love to put these beautiful glorified, and I know it very well because my whole job is about making beautiful things and yeah. creating beautiful pictures. And often I, I get most excited when I can pull something off and use really crafty, thrifty, basic materials because I've known I've been able to pull it off in a way where I didn't stretch myself. Right. Um, and I often feel like in your world, this is such an important thing that I think we all just sort of make an excuse of why we spent the money and why it's important. But in the end, knowing ourselves and knowing what's truly important, mm-hmm. I think is the most important thing. Yep. And therefore, you will not be spending the money and you will not be feeling bad and you will not do anything because you'll know what makes you truly happy. Yeah. That's so 100%. I love that tip. Number yeah. two tip really hits me in the guts. Yeah. Okay. It hits all of us, right? Number uh, three. Okay. Number three. And this is more on the money side of things. Uh, I think that most people, when they're trying to save more or pay down debt or anything, they look to their expenses and they're like, where do I cut? And you hear all this garbage about, don't drink a coffee and pack your lunch every day and all this stuff. And I say garbage because it works for about 5% of the population. And then most people give up halfway through and then feel like failures. (laughs) So instead of setting yourself up for failure, just be realistic about your life. Um, And a lot of times people, life is pretty expensive. And so cutting down expenses even more is like not maybe realistic for you or, or for somebody. We always forget about the other lever which is the income lever. And so I often remind people that it is possible to make a little bit more money maybe with like 
uh, $25 a week. Can you do anything? Can you freelance something? Can you do any sort of side hustle? Can you Airbnb your apartment for three weekends a year? Can you do something? Because if your expenses are fixed and you can't reduce them anymore and your income is fixed in the sense that like you're, you're, you have your job or it is what it is and your business kind of does its own thing. Is there one extra thing that you could do? Because where I feel like that has the most impact and I'll just use a, I'll use an Airbnb example. Perfect. Um, you're kind of speaking my language all at the same time. There you go. So, so this, I had this, this one family, they were absolutely strapped. It was like daycare years, like the whole kit and caboodle, they had debt. They just couldn't reduce their expenses by any more. And it wasn't because they were being bad with money. It's just like, it was what it was. Like, this is how much groceries cost. And so it was really tough and they felt like there was no wiggle room and they just kept failing at their plans. And I had suggested, you know, you guys are very lucky. They have a family cottage that they go to that they go to quite often in the summer. And I was like, why don't you rent your place out on Airbnb while you do that? And then use all of that money to pay for the debt. So you don't have to, all you do is every month, you just pay your minimums because that's all you can afford to do. And then every time you make this boost in income, you put money aside for taxes and you put the rest onto the debt. And they ended up being debt-free within like a year and a half without actually failing once because they were able to breathe because they didn't feel guilty every month when they didn't put more than the minimum payment on the debt. Most financial planners might tell you to just throw everything at the debt. You're going to pay that much in interest. You're such an idiot if you don't. Yes. And I think that that sets people up to make these extreme plans that don't work, then they fail. And when you fail at a financial plan, you feel like you're worse at money. And then you just throw the, the towel in altogether. That's what I, that's what I see on the front lines every day. So this kind of thing, pull that other lever. If you can make just a little bit of income somewhere else, then you can use that to, so don't, don't forget about the income. That's the other side of things. You know, I liken this analogy or the story that you're telling me to like fad diets, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think if you can't really relate to it on a financial level, you can relate to it on a, like a fad diet level. 100%. Where you're, you know, you're sold this, if you eat these certain things or you drink the certain powder or you whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. Constant and deprivation. Constant deprivation. And then you don't see the results that you think you're supposed to have in the certain amount of time that you're supposed to see them. You're just like, okay, screw it. What's wrong with me? I'm going to eat the fucking pizza. I'm going to eat all the chocolate. I'm going to do everything because I'm not seeing the results I'm supposed to be seeing. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. So I think we can all relate to the financial side of it when we think of it like a fat diet. Yeah. And also most people have probably at some point tried to do a budget like 50,000 categories and then failed at it and been like, what's the point? Right. Yep. yep. So anyway, but this is why I love what you do. Yeah. Because you simplify it in such a way that even myself, who's like a hyper creative, I'm a designer, like I don't see the world in numbers. Yeah. And to me, you are a designer of numbers and you see the world in a totally different way than I do, but your world is still beautiful. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you because I think you inspire me creatively with what you how you see someone's bank account or how you see how someone spends or how Mm. you see how you consume in the world and the way that you view that is such a beautiful loving thing and i think you you know even reading your books um you make everyone feel okay to be who they are and choose what they want to choose yes and that's what i love about your books is that your books are like hey be who you want to be live the life you choose but also stand behind those choices with smart financial planning. And that to me is a lot of the conversations that nobody's willing to have, but they have them with this, you know, incredible, witty, smart, beautiful, redheaded woman, <laughs> Shannon Lee Simmons. And 
and they all of a sudden feel better about their lives. So, um, this is a podcast about love, right? I feel love. Do you? Yeah, I'm blushing right now. What do you love about when you get up in the morning and you're doing what you're doing? What are the things that you do throughout the day that bring love into what you do? Oh, great question. Um, okay, I still get jazzed. Jazz, jazz, jazzed. Like the kind where you're like, yeah, and you go home stoked when I have one of those client meetings where everything just clicks. Like, you know, maybe it was a bit complex or there was, it felt like there wasn't a lot of hope and then you find it and you do that whole thing and they walk away and they have so much hope and they're so excited about their finances that still gives me a high, which is so <laughs> awesome. That's like the fundamental, that's what my business is. That's fundamentally what I do and that's what I love. The other thing that I love and this is more recently is I have a business now where there is like employees and staff. I was just going to ask you about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're connected. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and there's something, and maybe this is cause I grew up in a family business. I don't know. There's something entrepreneurially satisfying about walking into a business that you've created and people are there doing things and they're talking about stuff that you've created and they're kind of existing without you with or without you and you kind of show up and uh, we're all kind of rowing the boat together and then I, I don't know that being an actual business owner I also I love it it's my it's my favorite I love actually working on the business as well as working in the business so a question because as a fellow entrepreneur yes. building a team do you sit down with every single person that works on your team? And I mean, obviously they're working for you and they're choosing to work for you because you're you're an incredible spirit in the industry and no one's doing what you're doing. And I I love the trailblazers. You know, I, I feel like I make the bestest of friends with all the trailblazers regardless of, you know, the modality where they work because the mind of a trailblazer is that of a person that truly follows their heart. Yes. And... Um, I would just, I'm just curious, like the conversations, like when people come and they want to work for you, are they like, I just love what you do because it's different? Or do you find them? And when you do find each other, however that comes to you, yeah. like, do you have a certain like modus operandus of like, this is how we roll it over here at the new school of finance by Shannon Lee Simmons. Yeah. And you must like kiss everyone on the lips and slap them all on the bottom. Oh, you see, know what I mean? Saying, like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Okay. 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 So, okay. So with anybody who's like client facing, that there is no like, okay, you have to hug everybody. And like, if they come in and you have to hug, just like, you know, united. But I find that the type of person who's attracted to working at new school is very similarly loving and open-minded and um, caring. And that comes first. And I think that the most important thing that I do is I don't hire somebody based on their financial credentials. I never have. So everyone in there is a teacher first or a coach first or something else first. Mm. I can teach anybody math. I love this. I can teach anybody math and I can teach any, anybody can get their certification once they're there and they can learn the spreadsheets, but you can't teach empathy the way that you can teach math and you can't teach compassion and you can't teach clever problem solving skills in the same way. So I'm looking for those tangible qualities in a person. And then we just show them how to use our spreadsheets. And then the magic happens from there. But this is what I love about you so much. I want to cry. Is that truly anyone that's in finance is not saying, how are you with your empathy? 
No, that's what is I'm someone asking. saying, are you a great coach? Can you truly listen? Yeah. You know, those are questions that I think people in your arena aren't asking of their employees. And this is why I love the, the, I would honestly say I, the constant you've perpetuated something that far reaches who you are. And it's, and it's a feeling that, and, and everything about this podcast is all about feelings. And to me, the feeling that you, your employees have going to work every day, I think that that is truly spectacular. Oh, and it just you. means that you're attracting what you're reflecting. I think so. I feel like I've struck lightning a few times. Um, and I'm like wondering when that luck will run out. But one of my employees, no luck will run out. my first employee, Colleen, who was a professional ballet dancer for most of her life. Um, <laughs> she always says like, it's not lightning. She's like, you're attracting this because you're it's we're building something that's bigger than you right and I'm like that's exactly what I want I want to yeah. build something that's so much bigger than me but still projects that love if you will um across Canada girl <laughs> forget Canada let's talk about the world so speaking of the world can you tell the peoples what's your website okay newschoolfinance.com is the main hub where you'll see all of Tiffany Pratt's wonderful <laughs> art direction um, and also where you can find all of our stuff like the services, the book stuff um, and our courses and whatnot. Okay, so is there a link that you think people should check out first when they go to your website? Definitely, I think that the books are fun. So if they go to newschoolfinance.com and you're looking to just like dip your toe in and see like, what's up? Watch the opening video and then head on over to the books because I think that, like you said, like the books kind of encapsulate just like what it's all about in in a really compact and like very low commitment way. They're also biteable bits and the stories that you weave in, this, in the books to me are they really encapsulate every man. You tell stories that are of every different type of person or company or couple or family. And I think everyone can find themselves in your books. Yeah, I, I believe that because we all, money touches us all. It does. But I think um, the way you tell the stories is so, it's with such a warm heart. Mm. And I and that's the one, and also too, just quick wit, like holy cow, Shanelle Simmons, <laughs> man with the dry humor, she throws down a joke and she throws down like a pun like nobody's el- nobody else. You're a pun master, you're a pun master SLS. Oh, thank um, you. Okay, so I, I just, I love talking to you. I, I, I feel like, do you mind that I keep going? No, I, I'm like worried that I'm just like being a mic hog here. You know, I want you to be a mic hog. That's why you're here. <laughs> Got it. Um, if there is anything that you could tell someone like right now that maybe is overwhelmed by your three tips that mm. you want them to feel um, about their work and their money and how they spend, how do you want people to feel? Hmm. Mm, it's two things. If I had to pick one. Yep, to, to say both. Hope and excitement. Okay. That will get your financial shit together. If you feel hopeful and excited about what you're doing with your money every month, then you will keep going because you'll choose to stick to the plan even when it's hard because you genuinely want to. And that's the only way you'll win. So if you feel like whatever plan you've made makes you hopeful and excited, not one or the other, because excitement can fizzle out, right? We all get excited with the idea of, you know, I want to be debt-free in three months. Great. That's exciting. Ah. <laughs> and then you fail once and you're like, well, there's no point. Well, that's the loss of hope, right? And if you're just hopeful, but you're not excited about it, it's no fun. So you need to be both at the same time in order to actually 
keep it up. And then once you start, it's such a snowball, Tiffany. It's such a snowball. It is a snowball. Once you start seeing it work, it's like that's when the magic kind of takes over and you're like, everyone can get behind it. But it's that initial inertia that really requires both hope and excitement in order to move the dial forward. Are you a fan of the money jar? No. Why? Um, I don't like money jars. Do you, do you mean like the uh, categories of cash, like uh, like that you would have like a grocery jar and a... I'm talking about the, uh, the mason jar on the countertop that you put the coins in or the cash in, the rainy day. Okay. Okay. That's different. Talk, so talk so, about the jars. Okay. So there's one set of jars that... Um, is like a school of thought where you have like a groceries and a clothes one and like you kind of have all of your budget categories and then you divvy up your cash every single week or payday into those and then whenever the jar is empty that's all you've got I'm not a fan of that I think it sets us up for failure it's it's actually keeping us in scarcity mode most of the time what I think you're talking about which I'm a big fan of is I actually don't call it jars. I call it some sort of art at my front door. So, <laughs> so my favorite is vases, like beautiful vases. Uh, so I think that we have a lot of change sometimes on us, especially nowadays where most people use credit and stuff like that. If you've got cash in your pocket, then what I do at home too is I would say, okay, we just come home. I empty my pockets. If there's any cash on me at all, I put it immediately into this beautiful vase that sits on the front door. And then at the end of the year, I empty the vase and it's like surprise payday. One time I had $800 in there and just toonies and stuff. What did you do with the 800 bucks? I put it towards a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? Yeah. So that's a fun way to like a secret save. And like if it's in a vase, it's at the front door, then you're more guaranteed to do it. Also, too, if it's a vase, you're not really looking at the contents because it's like it's opaque. Yeah. It's you're like, just throwing it in there. It's like it goes into the abyss. Exactly. And I don't label it as like a money jar. So it's just like where my where I empty my pockets into and then I kind of forget about it. See, I love this is the stuff I love because it's almost like we're combining our worlds, decor exactly. and money. So right? to all the peoples out there looking for the perfect vase, where would I go? <laughs> I know, right? I have. So the one that I use is um, well, uh, uh, Crystal Speck. She's got these ceramic vases and I use it. Ah. And she's Canadian and I put it at the front door and it's amazing. Or Ikea or Kijiji or anywhere, anywhere. Just find a cool vase that you yeah. love and throw it by the door and empty out your pockets and, and have it. surprise payday at the end surprise of the month. Surprise payday. Okay. So if you were to tell all the peoples what they should love the most about money, spending, saving, all of it, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the message that you feel like if you're going to put love into it? Tell me, tell me what you're going to tell the peoples. Don't feel guilty about spending money on yourself. You can love the fact that your money is meant for you. So after all your bills are paid, after all the savings is done, the money that's left over is for you. And a lot of times people will use the word disposable income, which I hate because the word disposable means throwaway, which means the only money that's left for your life is throwaway. That to me just feels not okay. And it makes it feel like we should be doing something, quote, more responsible with it. <laughs> so if you want to love your money, then make sure that some of it is for you. And don't feel guilty if you want to buy a coffee or buy a pair of pants or whatever it is that someone's telling you that you're not supposed to buy or that's bad finances. Um, there's only so much money of 
the reason that you work is money. That's the only thing that differentiates you between a hobbyist. And so, <laughs> so enjoy. I love that. It's I so love true. That. I love that. That's the difference between a business or an employee and a hobbyist is money. That's the only thing. So if you don't have any of that left for you at the end of the day, why are you working so hard? So just make sure that there's a sliver in there for you, something, and don't feel guilty about it. Celebrate it. I love this so much because um, this really ties into a whole self-love. 100%. And I think we all, and I'm not going to say women, I think as humans on this planet, we have a really hard time loving ourselves in everything that we do. Yeah. If it's the space that we decide to live in, or if it's our pocketbooks, if it's the way we look, if it's you know how we spend our pastimes or our spare time. you know, There's a lot of things that we feel like we have to do and not a lot of things that we feel like we really want to do. And I feel really grateful when someone like yourself is in the world because you have chosen to do something because not only do you really love it, but you're incredibly good at it and you empower people and you liberate them every single day. And I just want, um, I want everyone to go to the new school of finance and feel liberated and to feel the kind of love that I know I am so lucky because I live in the city and I could see Shannon's beautiful face and call or text her anytime and go, yo, check this out. Hey, I got (laughs) a question. Yeah. (laughs) She wants to know about stairs. I want to know about RSP. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I definitely feel like that's the beautiful thing about um, people in this world is it doesn't matter what you do. It matters where your heart is and you find your people no matter what. And when I met you and I knew where your heart was, I didn't care if I ever stepped foot in your office one more time so much as I would only ever hope that you would be my friend. And I am so blessed to call you my friend and feel so humbled and lucky every day that like I can say someone is brilliant and beautiful and kind and hardworking. And man, this woman is such, she's such a powerhouse. I mean, two books and a baby and all the things that she does. And she still just makes it all happen with such love and passion. So um, I want everyone to look up Shannon Lee Simmons. I want everyone (laughs) to know about this incredible human being and be inspired by bits of her and her genius. And um, okay. What do you love the most about your life outside of your work? What do you love the most about your life? Oh, my family. Your fa- oh, my God, Billy. Oh, my God, Billy. He's Matt, my baby. Matt. And Matt. Uh, my boys. My two Taurus boys. Oh, my gosh. How, do, how did a Capricorn woman end up with two Taurus boys? There's a lot of bull in there. Uh, <laughs> good, good. I, exactly. I don't know. Poor planning? No. That's not like a Capricorn. Um, so... I have an amazing family, not only my immediate family, which is my husband, Matt, who we've been together for 12 years. Isn't that crazy? Since we were 22. Um, So Matt, my husband, is my best friend. And then we have this beautiful baby who is... Billy Billy. kills me. Oh, my God. He's the cutest. He busts me up. Oh, he's so amazing. So I love them. And they're my rock and my love of my life, both of them. And I'm obsessed. And my also my family, my immediate family like that I was raised in, like my sister, my mom and my dad, we're such a tight unit. Um, and they're all like my best friends too. So I'm very fortunate to have such a strong family backbone. They have your back so hard. 100%. I have never seen a family, like even just at your book launch with oh your mom. God. Oh my God. I your mom even. made me cry. It was do incredible. Can we, we tell the people what happened? Please tell the people. My first book, Wow, I can say my first book. Uh, my first book, well, I had a big launch. It was kind of like a wedding for my book. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I got laryngitis. 
uh, two days before the book launch. So I was going to do a reading and welcome all these people, colleagues and people. I was really nervous and I was so upset and I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't talk. So I was like, I called the reading off. I wasn't going to do anything. And my mom, who's also an author, Linda Simmons, she's amazing. Uh, she was like, uh, you should, you have to do a reading. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll only do it if, if you read for me. And she was so touched. So she got up and read an excerpt from the book. And she was so, she was such a badass. She was so good. This and, is the moment when I walked into the party, by the way. Uh, I walked in and everyone. I was, it was, it was incredible. And she did it with, she was like, I don't even know. She did your words such justice. I know. She, she really was, did. She really, she told the stories and she unraveled it so perfectly. And yeah. I remember walking in and hearing her and I, like my whole body was covered in goosebumps. And anyways, continue. She had everyone right there, eh? right in the palm of her hand. She was so good. And I couldn't speak and she spoke for me. And I don't mean for me in a bad way. I mean, like she spoke on my behalf and it couldn't have been It was actually so much more beautiful than I think anything else could have been. She's just, she's the best. My mom's my best friend. She's amazing. So right there, my friends, is the power of love. The power of love. And the power yeah, of love. That's what it is. Final thing. If someone's just going to listen to this podcast and jump in on the ass side of all of this incredible knowledge and goodness that you've shared, what is your parting thought that you, if anyone that's just like tapping in and wants to kind of like, you know, when someone reads the back of the book yeah. before they read the front, yeah, what's the back of the book of this podcast for you right now? Surround yourself with good people. Because the whole podcast has been about how you and I met and how love has had that journey and who do you love and that the doctor that sent me on the way, all the barter babes that helped me springboard my career, uh, you and me finding each other, my parents who are my backbone, my family who I live for. It's just about people. It's all about people. So it doesn't matter if it's finance or creative or, or anything. It's about surrounding yourself with the good people and making sure that you love your life. Shannon Lee Simmons. TP. I love you. I love you too. And I'm ever grateful that you um, were recommended to me twice. <laughs> 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 because those recommendations have um, changed the course of how I've run my business and how I look at everything that I spend money on and more than anything brought you into my world as a friend whom I love and admire deeply. So I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And the feeling is so mutual. And go forth and spend with great joy and peace in your heart. Absolutely. Love you. Love you too. I am forever grateful to every guest that will join me and share themselves and their hearts on the Love Jam. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on and sharing yourself. Uh, it just is what makes the world such a richer place. Coco Chorbagian, the genius behind the mixing and the recording of the Love Jam and the person who wrote the theme music himself. It's truly not even possible for me to have this podcast without you. So I love you and I thank you forever. And Delta Faucets Canada, oh my God. Without your encouragement and your support, this wouldn't even be happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you. Um, without your hand, this love would not be in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. You, you that lovely human listening to this podcast from the depth of my soul. Thank you so much for taking your time and wanting to listen to me and my friends jam about love. <laughs>